This is Herb Kressel, and welcome to the September Radiology Podcast. Uh, this month, we have available uh, transcripts of the podcast discussions. Uh, we've learned that uh, many of our listeners and viewers may not uh, be that familiar with English as a, uh, as a language, and uh, we feel that the transcripts will be helpful in furthering their understanding of medical English. We hope you enjoy the podcast and we hope you enjoy the transcripts. Uh, please contact us uh, with any uh, suggestions for further improvement. Thank you. Hi, I'm Debbie Levine. I'm the Senior Deputy Editor for Radiology, and I'm here today talking with Dr. Sangeet Guy, who is an Associate Professor of Medical Imaging at the University of Toronto. And he and his group in Toronto devised a study to look at mid-care providers uh, to ease the radiologist workload and provide a better patient experience for thyroid biopsies. We live live in a healthcare environment where we are continuously being asked to do more with less time. And in addition, thyroid biopsy rates have just exploded. So I found this paper to be very interesting and uh, very timely as well. So welcome, Dr. Guy. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I kind of mentioned what I thought some of the drivers were for doing this study. And I'm wondering if you can mention as well, uh, what was the impetus for uh, having these mid-care providers? Was it financial, efficiency, turf uh, issues? What, what drove you to do this? So really to go back, and this is, I think we're talking about 2009 and 2010 when we started thinking of this program. Uh, the primary reason was we were receiving a lot of complaints from our clinical colleagues. Uh, the wait times were going up. Uh, how we functioned was, you know, we have a biopsy, dedicated biopsy center at the hospital. And we, we used to do deep abdominal biopsies in the morning and do the superficial uh, biopsies in the afternoon so that we didn't have any recovery time. Uh, and then they could go home immediately after that. And there were only so many we could do. Uh, plus, you know, if I can say, there really wasn't a consistency in the program. So, you know, you would have a, a, a first-year resident someday who would be doing the biopsy. The second day, it might be a, a fellow. Um, some are more experienced than others. And there was kind of a bit of a disinterest in a program, I would say, um, how we were doing it. We're really not following up, getting enough uh, follow-up as to, you know, when you do a biopsy, was it an adequate specimen or not? And, and, and then you have inadequate specimens and the patient comes back for a repeat biopsy. That adds to the wait time. So we were going back, we were following the wait times of about three months for a thyroid biopsy or even longer. So a lot of complaints coming from our physicians, head and neck surgeons, endocrinologists. And that's when we started thinking as to what we can do to provide better service uh, to our physicians and more so for our patients, actually. Um, so can you tell us a bit about uh, what exactly you did in this study and uh, what you found? Absolutely, I'd love to. So um, when this first came up, this was something, um, uh, uh, as the director of the biopsy center in the hospital, the chief actually and I had a chat, and he, was, uh, he, he really wanted to set this program out. Uh, the first thing we did was bring this up in our divisional meeting to all the radiologists in the group to see if... Uh, this is something they would be interested in. And surprisingly, there was an overwhelming support um, that, yes, we should do that. This would be better for us. It would, in fact, free us 
uh, also to do the other, um, uh, um, you know, radiology reading scans and stuff and free up daytime as well. So the first step was getting approval from the radiologist. But, you know, we knew that there are going to be many, many obstacles in the path. Uh, then I spoke with our, um, uh, the CMPA in Canada, which is the Canadian Medical Protective Association, if there would be liability coverage for the physicians. And they, if I can actually quote here from the paper, they said um, uh, it is a delegation of a medical act could be considered part of the professional work of medicine, but you would need to get approval from your regulatory body of the province, which was in our case the CPS, so the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario, and also um, get consent from the employer of the sonographers or the MRTs that you would train, which in this case would be the hospital. So we knew that we had to go back. CMPA would be fine if we could go back to CPSO and the hospital MEC. So the first step was to go back to the, to go to the uh, college. And they, again, have a very clearly defined uh, policy for delegation of control acts on the website, which, again, said that, you know, um, you could do it, provided um, you um, include proper identification, evaluation of the individuals, how you train them, um, uh, that should be there. There should be an established process for the delegation. And then uh, there should be maintenance of competence and uh, train them for informed consent as well. So I thought we, we could, when we read the act, the, the policy online, we thought, yes, we could easily go through that. It's going to take a while, but there's no reason why this is not possible. And the third step was, again, you know, for the medical liability of the sonographers, we had to go back to the hospital. So when we looked at all this, we knew that, you know, we really needed the approval of the hospital MEC for them to approve uh, with, uh, for this entire process. So we put forward a plan of how we would train the sonographers um, in a stepwise manner, and we put this to the hospital MEC. Um, it did come up in the meeting. The first time, actually, it did not pass through. And that was because uh, some of the pathology colleagues had concerns about, you know, if do we, our, our, our adequacy rates were not very good. And is this actually going to even uh, further make it worse? Or, or are we going to open the floodgates and start doing thyroid biopsies on each and every patient just because we're opening, you know, having new uh, sonographers perform the biopsy? So it didn't pass through the first time. We took it again. Uh, we did have discussions uh, with the pathology division, how to work closely with them for on-site cytopathology and when to ask for on-site cytopathology. And I think the second time it just whizzed through. It wasn't a problem. The hospital approved it. So when the hospital approved it, we were, I think, on board. The whole process could get now started to train the sonographers. So you trained your sonographers. And tell us about your study and what you found in your study. Sure. So initially, when we initially thought should we train MRTs, um, radiation technologists, or sonographers, but the fact that you know sonographers already have some hand-eye coordination, uh, and the fact that they're licensed to practice sonography to do ultrasounds in the province, we thought it would be better to train them. It would be easier actually. It would be a one step just to train them for the biopsy. So we had a one-day uh, training program which included didactic talks. Uh, from the morning till the evening, actually, we showed some, then there were some video demonstrations as well. Uh, the second step in the training was uh, phantom training, 
so they did a, there was a one day full of phantom training or half a day of phantom training. Uh, the third step was having them come to the biopsy center, observe us, how we do the procedures. And the fourth step was a hand, uh, one-to-one uh, um, kind of a training for them. So they would all come in to the biopsy center just for the afternoons when we did the superficial biopsies over a period of about three weeks when they did about 25 to 30. And then they would be signed off by, uh, by the radiologist who would have supervised them. So we, we did that. So it took us, I think, um, it took us again a few months to train four uh, sonographers. Uh, and then we started them to do the thyroid biopsies independently, but under supervision in a room uh, which was made available right next to the deep abdominal biopsy room. So we would have, there's a control room on the left-hand side, we have the deep abdominal biopsy, and right-hand side, we have the thyroid ultrasound room. And so initially, we started slowly. We would only book about three patients in the morning. They would do a full ultrasound. They would document the ultrasound. They would call us to the room to show us the images and think what they thought, which nodule should be sampled and which should not be. And once we agreed on which nodule should be sampled, they would go ahead and do the biopsies. And only if they had an issue, they would call us. We were always there, available in the very next room. You know, if you're doing an abdominal biopsy on the ultrasound gardens, it takes about 10, 15 minutes. So if worst to worst, you just wait for 10 minutes, and then we would come across and help them if ever help was needed. So it's been running well. It's been about three years, more than that now. Um, so what was published in the paper was our adequacy rates uh, uh, just for the first year when they started. And I think it went um, um, from 74 to 78% uh, in the very first year. But I do have some data now for 2014, which actually says that the adequacy rates have gone up to about 90%. So I think this has been a very successful program for us. Our clinicians, we keep meeting them. We keep discussing all these in the rounds as well in the tumor boards. Um, uh, there's been a very good approval from them as well. Really no complaints coming in. And so it, uh, I, I, I must say that this has been a success for us. So you uh, talk about your uh, wait times going down in the paper, which makes sense because you've got people dedicated to doing these, and your adequacy rates went up. And I think the wait time finding, as I said, makes a lot of sense. Why do you think your adequacy rates went up with these mid-level care providers? So I I, I think it's a consistency. It's the same people who have been doing it. Uh, We have the four sonographers who are trained to do this, and they kind of rotate one in four weeks. So for for one full week, they would do the thyroid biopsies. And for three weeks, they'll be doing ultrasounds in the ultrasound department, come back to do biopsies again. And, uh, you know, they cover for their vacations as well. Sometimes they'll be there a little bit more than a week in a month. Uh, and I think that consistency is what has led to this benefit. So um, I, I must say it's very similar to, you know, sonographers now do the ultrasounds, and uh, they're very good at it, having done it over the years. Uh, initially, we would have, you know, some days it's a first-year resident who might be in the rotation. Uh, you know, there might be a fellow with a, uh, some are trained better than the others. Uh, so I think that's the predominant reason, the consistency. They take pride as well that they're doing this. And, and they're doing it very well. Uh, I, I truly believe that this really has been one of the biggest uh, benefits of uh, having them in this program. Now, when you get informed consent from the patients and when these uh, sonographers get the informed consent, are the patients told that it's a non-physician who's going to be doing their biopsy? 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, in fact, the sonographers have been, um, they are able to take the informed consent um, um, and they would do it in our name, the staff who's there, and in their names as well. Uh, so most of the patients are absolutely fine. They said that, you know, they're told that I'm a biopsy specialist, a thyroid biopsy specialist, and I work with so-and-so. Dr. Guy is with me today. He's in the other room. And some patients, yes, they do ask. I would have thought this was going to be done by a physician, and uh, they ask for it. And frankly speaking, you know, if now I'm asked to come into the room at the time of the consent, I actually tell them, I've done five thyroid biopsies in the last year. The person here has done over a thousand. You really want me to do your thyroid FNA? And, and most of the time, in fact, always, they've, they've said, no, I'm fine with it. I just wanted to make sure that. And, and then we have to convince them that this is a program which has been approved by the hospital. Uh, there's been a training program, uh, um, and there's an evaluation which happens every year as well. There's a fixed number that they have to do to maintain the competency. So, and I think they're all, it's just that, you know, you need to go in and speak to them for a minute and, and everything is fine after that. Yeah. And given your success with this program, um, with your mid-level care providers, uh, are you using this in other areas, either in ultrasound or elsewhere in your imaging department? Um, so in the past, you know, the idea came because we've been using the help for PIC lines, as in many hospitals, uh, they provide some fluoroscopy assistance uh, uh, for things like hysterosalpingograms and, you know, speech swallows in the past. It just frees up the radiologist. So there's been a precedence in the past. Um, have we increased it since our thyroids, the scope of their practice? We really haven't as yet, but, you know, we're talking of things like, could we add um, paracentesis? Uh, you know, sometimes it just occupies the room for a long period of time. Is that something, uh, you know, chronic patients, liver patients, where you're draining four liters, five liters, is that something they can do? It's just that we'll have to go through the whole process because, you know, again, you go back to the CMPA, the CPSO. We haven't started it, but yes, we've been talking about some simple uh, procedures such as that. And you mentioned early on that uh, you got the radiologist acceptance very easily. Pathology took just a little bit of work. What about your referring clinicians? Were there any issues with them? Uh... Really, surprisingly, there really wasn't. Uh, all the endocrinologists were on board. Uh, and we kind of cater to uh, we're a group of uh, the university hospitals. It's not just the one hospital. So we have the Toronto General, we have Mount Sinai, and the Women's College Hospital, where we have the endocrinologists, apart from Princess Margaret Hospital here. Yeah. Uh, and all across the board, uh, no, we have uh, not had, in fact, uh, once or twice, um, I've, I've had a positive feedback from the clinicians uh, saying that they were very happy with it. So, um, yeah, surprisingly, nothing really from the endocrinologist. Everything has been well on that. Wonderful. And what are your wait times now for these thyroid Oh, uh, It's less than three weeks, I would say. It's okay. less than three weeks. Um, uh, to the extent that we are thinking if you, um, we might even start doing them four days in a week instead of providing the service five days if the wait times keep coming down. Um, so, yeah, so it's been less than three weeks. I think today it might be about three weeks. Wonderful. Um, well, thank you so much for your time and this discussion. I really appreciate it. Of course, we're uh, talking about your study in Canada. Do you have any ideas how uh, this might work in the United States? Do you know if we could do oh, I don't know. Uh, I would think uh, it's a little different in the U.S. And having not worked in the U.S., I don't want to be commenting too much. 
uh, I, I believe um, a lot of physicians rather than radiologists also do these procedures in the U.S. in the clinics. Uh, and I'm, I don't know if, you know, they would be willing to have their assistants do this or not. But I think here it's been, it's in our experience, in our hospital, it's, it's really been very good. Okay. Well, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm.